fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right Hey, Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Story Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dolph Ninja Sometimes they're cat Freddy, but never the ferrets. Hey guys, welcome to episode 304 of Hibbley Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy, if people actually listen all the way through, they might have noticed a little different change to the intro song that we have on there. Because somebody wrote us yesterday and said, how come they always mention the dog Ninja, but they never mention the cat? Oh. Or the ferrets, which Aww. I threw in on my own. So we made a little change to that. And the reason for that, just like I had, to, had told this uh, listener yesterday, when Tragic redid our song that we do now, mm-hmm. he threw the ninja in there. We didn't know he was going to do that. Or we would have had him do Freddy. So oh, we just true. made the adjustment ourselves. There we go. All right. First of all, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants from our allied forces all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thanks to all you guys, gals, and service animals for everything that you do. Amen, brother. We met a lot of veterans over the weekend. I know. Isn't it great? I love to talk to the veterans for sure. Um, You know, we continue prayers for you guys every single day. We want you to come home safe, but thank you for having our backs and protecting us like you do every day. And I want to say that you, when you walk up to a veteran and thank them for their service, you don't know the reaction you're going to get. Most of the time, you you get a, a nice thank you. Sometimes you'll get a, hey, I was honored to do it. But sometimes you get way more than that. Tracy and I were in Bucky's in Richmond. And I walked up to a gentleman that had on a uh, veteran's cap. And I said, thank you for your service. And he literally broke down almost immediately and couldn't even get his words out and said, thank you so much. I never hear that anymore. Oh. And, by, by, I mean, literally, before he could even speak, he had to stop and catch himself because he was starting to break down. That's how much it meant to that man. Yeah. Just to have somebody say thank you. So of course. just remember that if you're out and about and you see somebody that you know is a veteran, either they have a shirt on or a cap, if you know, thank them for their service. And if it's somebody this present day, because they've got their uniform on, thank them for their service. Their family and themselves, uh, they sacrifice a lot for They us. sure do. They sure do. Also, we've, we've talked to a lot of people this week that are struggling for various reasons. And uh, we just want people to know that if you're struggling mentally for any reason, whether it be depression, whether it just be something you're going through in life, maybe you're going through a breakup or a divorce or you've lost a job or you know, just, you know, we we actually had a friend of ours yesterday say he hadn't seen his kids in a while mm-hmm. just because his ex-wife is mad at him and she's just withholding visitation. And, you know, all these things matter and these things can take a toll on a person. And whatever the reason is, if you want to talk about it, you can talk to us. Tracy and I are always available. Or you can go into the group, 5,500 members strong. Somebody always willing to talk to you no matter what time of day it is. 
And Tracy, if they would rather talk to somebody that's uh, completely separate from us, what can they do? They can call the suicide hotline number. It's 1-800-273-8255. You can also text them at 741-741. Tracy, we have an all-British show today. Oh. So the story we're going to do is actually from Great Britain. And our guest today, a lot of you will already know. If not, you're going to want to. Kevin Eustace. He's the host of We Need to Talk About Ghosts, which is a kind of a comedy paranormal show. Mm-hmm. A lot of humor in there. He's a very funny guy. And he has a show that's even become bigger now called The Dark Paranormal that's a little more on the serious side. Okay. And he's going to talk a little bit about both of those and share some of these experiences. But Kevin is a very charming guy. You guys are going to love him. Awesome. I do want to say thoughts and prayers go out to the... Uh, shooting victims of last week because we were this happened right after we had finished recording because we left early but there was a mass shooting in uh, buffalo new york and laguna california yeah and we just wanted to say uh, thoughts and prayers out to all the victims to the families involved in both of those horrible incidences yeah it's just so terrible people come on now you know you need to get your lives together and love one another yeah such a better turnout yes 100 percent better turnout Tracy, tonight's story took place in 1953 in York, England. To be more specific, the Yorkshire Museum on Museum Street in York. That's a lot of Yorks in there. I was going to say, dang. That's why, you know, that's where New York came from. What? When the settlers moved over here, it's New York as opposed to Old York. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is a small museum that wasn't very well known, but that was all going to change very quickly as the museum was soon to make worldwide headlines due to the paranormal activity. It all started with the apparent ghost of a man in Edwardian clothes when it manifested in front of a gentleman by the name of Charles Jonas. Jonas was the caretaker of the museum at the time. Mm -hmm. This encounter took place late at night on a Sunday, September 20th, 1953. Now that evening... Earlier in the evening, I should say, the first of several evangelical meetings was to be held at the museum's main room. Jonas and his wife were there. They didn't live at the museum, but they were required to be there anytime the building uh, was in use. Right. And then this night, it was in use mm-hmm. by this group. After the religious gathering, Jonas locked the front doors, he always did, and he went to find his wife who was in the kitchen. The kitchen was in the basement of the building. Now, they were preparing to leave and catch the bus home. Twenty minutes before the clock struck midnight, Jonas and his wife heard footsteps in the museum right above them. They both assumed that it was the museum's curator, Mr. Wilmot. He would sometimes come in very late at night and just do some busy work that he had in his office. Jonas went upstairs to check things out and make sure that it was, in fact, Mr. Wilmot. He also wanted to let him know that he was going to be going off duty and him and his wife would be leaving soon. Jonas would later tell the Yorkshire Evening Press that he went upstairs to tell him that they were ready to leave. He fully expected to see Mr. Wilmot, but instead, when he got about halfway up the stairs, 
he saw an elderly man cross from Mr. Wilmot's office into another room. Jonas felt that the man was a little odd-looking because he was wearing a frock coat, drain-pipe trousers, and had fluffy side whiskers. He had very little hair, and he walked with a slight stoop. So he decided that the strange man was probably some eccentric professor. They had a tendency to show up at the museum from time to time. So as Jonas got to the top of the steps, though, the man seemed to have changed his mind because he quickly turned around, exited the room that he had just went into. So Jonas just stood to one side uh, of the step, you know, mm-hmm. the, the hallway to let the old gentleman pass by. He then asked the old gentleman, he said, excuse me, sir, are you looking for Mr. Wilmot? Well, the old man not only did not answer him, he didn't even acknowledge that he was even being spoken to. In fact, he just shuffled past Jonas and began to go down the stairway towards the library. So because he was only a few feet away from the man, Jonas got a very good look at him. Good enough that he said that he could pick him out of a photograph or a lineup. Whoa. Jonas pointed out that the old man seemed agitated and that he had a frown on his face. But he also kept muttering, I must find it. I must find it. Even though this is a very strange experience, Jonas said that this being a ghost never actually entered into his mind. No kidding. This was mainly because the man looked as real as any other person. But he didn't want this man to be, you know, kind of running all around the museum this late at night. And besides, they wanted to lock up and catch the bus and get home. So Jonas followed him down the stairs, and he noticed that the man was wearing what seemed to be elastic side boots. What's that? I don't know. I guess the the boots that were they stretch or something. I'm not sure. Oh. He also remembered thinking how old-fashioned the large black buttons looked on the back of the man's coat. So the old man, still muttering to himself, went into the library. The library was dark, so Jonas flipped on the lights as he kind of walked in the library right behind the old man. The old man was beside two tall book racks, and he reached for one particular book. He then pulled another book from the shelf. The strange man was so obviously trying to find something. So Jonas thought to himself, this has gone on long enough. Thinking that the man may be deaf, since he obviously didn't respond Mm -hmm. to him earlier, he decided that he was going to reach out and touch the old man on the shoulder. But just as his hand reached the man's coat, the man completely vanished. The book that the man had been holding dropped to the floor. Jonas, somewhat in a state of shock, as you can imagine, bent over and picked up the book. The title was Antiquities of the Church. It was edited and published by William Andrews in 1896. It's important to note that around, around the time of this incident, Jonas had not really been feeling well. So you can probably imagine that this experience didn't really help matters. No, of course not. Jonas consulted his doctor and told him about what had happened at the museum. Obviously, the doctor was a tad bit skeptical. Mm-hmm. He told Jonas that it was probably just hallucinations. Well, this irritated Jonas because he knew what he had seen. 
So he set out to prove what he had seen was in fact real and not a hallucination. So what would be the best way to prove this? How about another witness? True. He decided to have someone with him at all times in case he saw the entity again. Mr. Wilmot, the curator of the museum, volunteered to watch with him. So as the series of religious meetings continued, Wilmot stayed with Jonas every Sunday night for a total of three straight weeks. During this time, neither of the men saw a thing. Then, on Sunday, October 18, 1953, right after Mr. Wilmot had left the building, George Jonas saw the apparition for the second time. Oh, crap. This time, the old man came down the stairs from the first floor of the museum, crossed the hall, passed directly through the closed doors of the library. Jonas opened the door, and he walked in. He immediately checked the antiquities book, but it had not been disturbed. It was right around 7.40 p.m. at this time. It's an important time. Jonas assumed that the spirit must have not really approved of Mr. Wilmot since he didn't show himself while Wilmot mm-hmm. was there. Three's a crowd, buddy. Right. So he asked one of his friends, a gentleman by the name of Walter French, to keep wait with him the next time. On the night of November 15th, it paid off. As Jonas and French were walking among the stacks of books, they both heard the pages of a book being turned. My initial guess, Bob Seger. <laughs> but Turn I don't think that was the, the page. Case. So they get to the center aisle, and guess what was lying on the floor? That same antiquities book. It was open, and the pages were still fluttering as they turned. Ooh, that'd be cool to see. The ghost itself was not visible at this time. The stranger thing is, again, like before, it was 7.40 p.m. At this point, Jonas was considerably disturbed. He goes back to the doctor, tells him about this latest incident. Again, the doctor insisted that Jonas did not see a ghost and to prove it, the doctor was going to stand and watch with him. Well, I was going to say, why don't you have him to go? So Sunday evening came. By this time, these visits from the ghost had fallen into somewhat of a pattern. Something seemed to always happen on the fourth Sunday. At 740. I think 740 was the time it at least happened on twice, but yeah. Oh. So on December 13th, Jonas, his doctor a lawyer, and four other people other than themselves were in the museum library. They were all waiting for the spirit. One of the seven people assembled was James Jonas. Now, this was George's older brother, a train engineer. Okay. Has no bearing, but I just thought it'd be cool for you to know he's a train engineer. That evening, the group circulated around the library, keeping a close eye, especially on that antiquities book. They did all inspect the book beforehand to assure that there was no tampering or funny business, no wires, anything like that. They didn't have to wait very long. On this occasion, Jonas's brother James was the first to see the book take flight. 
It didn't seem to fall at the same speed that a book would normally fall. Mm -hmm. It slowly etched itself to the end of the shelf. Then it almost floated down to the floor. As it landed, James Jonas yelled to the others, who immediately rushed to the spot that the book had fallen to. There in the floor, they all saw the book open and pages start turning. Jonas's doctor inspected the shelf with a flashlight. No threads, strings, or wire could be found. It did not appear to be manipulated in any way, shape, or form. Then the doctor commented that just prior to the book falling, he actually felt a cold and clammy sensation in his legs, but after the book hit the floor, his legs and knees felt completely fine again. The lawyer said that he would not have represented anyone who had came to him and said they had witnessed what they had just had, but here was proof before his very eyes. Well, I'm surprised, though, that when everybody rushed over to see, I mean, does a ghost not realize what they're doing, or or I would have thought he would have just, like, left or something. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I don't know how long the book pages kept turning and stuff, so maybe it did stop. But mm-hmm. it happened enough for them to be able to notice. So Jonah stood up, and he said, Well, now, maybe someone will believe me. Well, good. Soon, the museum's ghost activities had reached the newspaper. Reporters began to clamor all around the museum's gates. Every Sunday evening, they were there hoping to find out about the latest incident. The next incident would be on January 10th. That's going to say, didn't you say it only happened like every fourth Sunday? Every fourth Sunday. On that night, though, Jonas was sick and he did not report to duty, so he wasn't there. Mr. Wilmot took up the vigil in the library, but apparently the spirit did not like Mr. Wilmot again because there was no appearance and the book was not disturbed in any way, shape, or form. By now, the news had reached the British Society for Psychical Research. They asked permission to conduct an investigation, and on February 7, 1954, they were joined by several distinguished investigators, including... Trevor Hall, and Eric Dingwall. Let me just say, if my (laughs) name was Dingwall, I would be changing that. (laughs) Dingwall. That's kind of fun. (laughs) On this evening, though, the ghost did not appear, and the book remained untouched. Also present was James Jonas. Again, that's his his brother. He said at one point during the night that he thought he saw a disembodied white hand slithering its way down the bookcase. But he seemed very unsure, and he kind of took it back a little bit when he was questioned by the experts. And he eventually said that it may have just been a trick of the light. Mm -hmm. Hall and Dingwall were very tough researchers to convince. They concluded that George Jonas had obviously seen some kind of apparition, but that apparition could very well have been a hallucination of his own mind. They also said that the book could have been pulled off from anything from a rigged wire, even though everybody had vouched that they didn't see that. In any event, the apparition was never seen again, not even by George Jonas. 
Well, maybe he got the answers from his book that he needed and didn't have to come back there no more. I'm just wondering, I would have liked to have seen, I tried to do a little research and I couldn't find anything else on that. But I would like to have known if the author of that book might have been who that was. Oh, the apparition, you yeah. mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. But I don't know. I couldn't find anything where they had looked and seen what that guy looked like, the yeah. author looked like, and matched the description. But also this gentleman was, uh, if you remember, they was saying, you know, I must find it. I must find it. So it was obviously somebody who was looking for something in that mm-hmm. book or something that he thought might have been in that book. But there's no way of knowing what the ghost was actually even looking for. But it was something with religious bearing or he wouldn't have been looking in that book. Well, as I know, is my feelings would have been hurt if he didn't show up like he didn't for that guy all those different <laughs> times. I mean, like, what's wrong with me? All right, Tracy. So we're going to take a brief sponsor break, and then we'll be back. Obviously, we got Kevin Eustace coming up. He's a very fun interview, so you guys are going to like this. Awesome. All right, Tracy, some quick housekeeping. We've got two live shows coming up really quick. Obviously, we've got the show in Indianapolis with Us, Tragedy of Cinema, and Middle-Aged and Creeped Out. That show is an all-ages show. It is at a VFW, but it's in a private hall. So there will be alcohol and stuff there, but it's in a, it's in a separate room. So, But um, it's going to be a good, clean show. It's a family show. So if anybody wants to come, don't worry about that. There won't be bad language. And uh, it's going to be a blast. Yeah, love to see you guys, for real. That's July 16th in Indianapolis. And then right after that, on August 20th in Williamson, West Virginia, us and Annie Weebs and Brenda Shea from Serial Spirits will be there at the Old Hospital on College Hill. Yay. Right. That's going to be exciting. That's going to be a show and a tour that all comes. And that's in, that's in the day. It's a one to four mm-hmm. during the day on that one on a Saturday. So... Um, and it's our sixth birthday party. Yeah. So come, come celebrate, celebrate with us hey, and have some fun. Hey, see what I say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tracy, what do you got? And both of those tickets, by the way, are on sale at hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Um, you got, and, and seating's limited to both. I think it's 60 seats at very, at both of those. At both, okay, yeah. good. So that's it. College, uh, the, the play, show in West Virginia, that's, um, I understand is the, the place is not very big, so mm-hmm. we're going to be crammed in like sardines, which is good. You oh. want that in August. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Also, I want to say that because I, I forgot, but we have all of our new food products uh-huh. for sale. They are now available. They're a little pricey because shipping is basically $8 for each one of those things. So it's $17 for any of the products. We're almost out of apple butter. There's like literally three jars left. I know. That has really But we still got well. plenty of plenty of the other stuff. Go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com. There's a special tab. You can see all the different items on there. Yeah. And thank you guys that have purchased thus far. We this is very exciting. We have way more already than we ever thought oh, we yeah, would. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this mail. stuff's really good. So Yeah. Everything is, is, is and we're not just saying it's because it's us. This stuff, we handpicked this stuff individually because it's made in small batches and it's made with the best ingredients. So I can almost probably, anything that anybody's had so far, the apple butter, the habanero salsa, the barbecue sauce, the regular salsa, and even the, especially the, the pear, the, oh, the cinnamon pear. pear conserve. Everybody that's had any of these things have literally written us and said it's the best that they've ever had of apple butter or the best they've had of uh, salsa. So we're not just saying that. People legitimately think that. So Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you guys for your feedback on that because we need to know for sure. Yeah, thanks for the feedback on the food. 
Man, I'm hungry. Speaking of which. Don't hurry up. We oh. go eat. <laughs> All right. For iTunes this week, um, I'm I'm just going to spell it because I know I'm going to not say it right. H-Y-U-A-K-I. Thank you for your review. Greg H. T. Plank. Kiki Bubbles. Mojo Lobster. Jason B. 007. And Bay River Runner. So, this review from... Bay River Runner said that they liked the show, but they had to turn it off because of foul language, and I don't know, it was something horrible else. Yeah, it was just like a, I said something like a barrage of foul language. Yeah. First of all, bitch. (laughs) uh, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Obviously, that was the wrong show because we, like, even the episodes with Ricky and I, where there was a lot of bad language. Those episodes got taken down literally two years ago. Yeah, so, so it I don't couldn't know. Be those. Maybe it was one of the guests we had on because we don't censor our guests. If we have a guest on, you know, and and um, you know, I had times where Amanda was on in the early days. We've had times where Brooke Hiles been on and Rimmel and some of the others. And if they use language, we don't sponsor anybody, but we usually put out a little precursor that hey, there's going to be some language coming up so people know. But I don't know. That's yeah, I can't please everybody, I guess. So it is what it is. Yeah, it said, uh, however, okay, so the show's contents is very interesting. However, I turned it off after listening to several bouts of disgusting foul language. Okay, uh, Bay River Runner, you've got the wrong podcast there, buddy. Just still letting you know, because we don't do that here. So, take your dumbass self somewhere else what is wrong with you? no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding just kidding anyway but no i'm i'm just kidding thank you guys for your reviews we always love and appreciate your feedback no matter what it is even when you're wrong it but sounds, that's okay it sounds like it <laughs> all right and so, then our patreon this week is rachel tucker thank you doll for your support we appreciate you so much you guys are awesome rachel's in australia oh good day mate oh god i'm sorry rachel oh I didn't mean for that to happen, though I should have known. <laughs> we do love you guys so, so very much. We we do appreciate y'all taking your time out to leave us reviews and, and support us. I mean, it means the world to us because we would be nothing without you for sure. 100%. All right. Now, can we listen to Kevin? Yeah. Bring him on. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm excited to have this next guest on. This really should have happened a long time ago, and I'm going to blame myself for this because... Uh, I let it slip through my fingers, but I've got Kevin Eustace on from the wildly popular We Need to Talk About Ghost and the Dark Paranormal. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jerry. It's a pleasure to be here, mate. Yeah, it's, uh, it is a long time coming this. We've been friends on Facebook for a few years now, I think, actually. Um, I think you once played a promo for the show very kindly. And uh, yeah, we've never had the pleasure to actually chew the cud, so to speak. Yeah, I, we played the promo and the intention was to play the promo and then get you on shortly after that. And you know how it gets in this world, especially yeah. back then. I was working 70 hours a week on my regular job and wow. then putting in 60 to 70 hours a week on the podcast. And sometimes things fall through the cracks and uh, luckily we get it fixed. Yeah, no, it's good to be here, mate. Yeah. Thank you for uh, meeting me with the time as well. I know we've got a little bit of a difference going on, haven't we? So it's five o'clock here. Yeah, it's a, it's only twelve here. It's it's that's the thing. You you know you can do it early for you guys because if you try to do it at four or five o'clock our time, it's ten eleven o'clock, and 
half the time, you know, people are having to get go to bed to get get up for work <laughs> the next day, or they're going into work if they work shift and shift. Or so yeah, it's kind of crazy, but it worked out great. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's yeah, talk sure about good things going on now. We were lucky enough a little over two years ago to be able to go full time doing this. And last week was a big week for you because I believe you had your birthday. Uh, um, or It's coming up. But yes, yeah, so it's, it's uh, coming it's up. OK, two weeks time. Yeah. All right. So you got your birthday coming up. But last week you were able to announce that after going part time on your regular job uh, yeah. about six months ago, now mm-hmm. you are 100 percent full time podcasting for your two shows and I couldn't be more happy and proud for you. Oh, thank you, mate. That means a lot, especially coming from someone as good as yourself. So yeah. um, You know, I mean, it's, I've been very lucky, obviously. And um, it's obviously all down to the people who listen to the show via Patreon. And there's a few ads things that goes on as well. So it's been really good and uh, I've been very lucky, but yeah. So basically it was, Working in a ticketing environment for like 10 years. And as you say before, um, I was doing the shows in my spare time. And it get, thankfully, it got untenable at the same time as it was viable to leave and go part-time somewhere else. So that's what I've done. And then I thought, you know what, the dream's one day to go full-time. And then luckily enough, it, the snowball kept on going downhill and gathering momentum. And um, yeah. And as of now, I sit here today in week one of my full-time podcasting position, for want of a better phrase. So, yeah, made up. So let's talk about, we need to talk about ghosts. Now, that's the, that was the first one. That's You've got mm-hmm. two podcasts now, but that was the first one. It's, uh, it's, it's a very fun podcast, obviously. It's a lot of yeah. tongue-in-cheek stuff. Uh, you were saying earlier, it's one of those deals to where when you do, uh, when you mix like paranormal with some serious stuff, with some funny stuff, it's kind of hit or miss. You either love it or you hate it. And yeah. we found that out with, with some stuff that, that we've done. Not everybody likes comedy mixed in, which is why I was telling you that we threw some other kind of uh, episodes in during the week that were a little more serious. So we, people can come in and say, hey, well, we'll listen to this, if, but we don't like these. So we won't listen to these. And that's fine. People yeah. have choices. And as long as they keep listening, you know, to some of the episodes, that's better than nothing and reaches a different crowd. Yeah. Is that why you started your second episode or, or I mean your second podcast or was it just for a completely different reason? Well, no, it's a, it's a, it's a good point that you make. And yes, it was a, a large percentage of it was, but also personally for me, one, I mean, I got into doing podcasting because um, I lo- I've always been into the paranormal. It's not just like a fad, you know, where you think, oh, paranormal podcasts seem to be doing well. I think I'll have a go at that. I was like, you know, maybe six years old when I started trying to form a ghost club in junior school. And, you know, it's it's something I spend, I spend hours, as I'm sure you do yourself and most paranormal fans do, watching all sorts of tripe on YouTube and stuff um, and wasting your life half the time thinking, well, that's actually fake, you know, and you can spot a good <laughs> fake and all that carry on. But so when I started, we need to talk about ghosts. I mean, it's obviously a play on we need to talk about Kevin with my first name being Kevin. So um, I thought that should imply by the title, that's where it's going. It's a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, and it's me, how well, it's me to 11, how I am in normal life. You know, uh, I try to crack the odd joke. The listener stories are all legit. They're all, they're all done very straight. But it's been trial and error. And um, at the same time, and that's me as, as I like to engage with people generally. That's me as, as genuine as you're going to find me is on We Need to Talk About Ghosts. But then... 
there is also part of me that wants to sit down and, you know, I'll sit down and read a book by Colin Wilson or I'll sit down and read This House is Haunted by Guy Lyon Playfair. And there's a serious element of the paranormal as well that I have that can't come across in We Need to Talk About Ghosts because it would be too incongruous for me to put out an episode with attempted jokes and voices and blah, 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 and then the next week go deathly serious. So that's where the dark paranormal came in. I thought, you know, I could do like a long format. Um, and basically, if somebody sends me in, if a listener sends me in a really dark story, this was the point, I, because I joke about it on We Need to Talk About Ghosts, that if somebody sends me in a story about a lovely pet, for example, and they say, oh, our pet chihuahua died, and, you know, but every 3rd of July we hear this little yap coming from the garage, and we know it's them. I'm not asked. I mean, in the nicest possible way. I'm not that bothered. I want them to say, and on the 3rd of July, Satan himself appears with the carcass of the chihuahua at the window. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like a good scare, basically. Um, and then I thought, well, I should have somewhere separate. So the point of the dark paranormal is that I want people to be scared. So it, it, it's, it's built in that fashion, if you like. It's formatted in a way with sound effects and jump scares. If somebody sends me in like a three-paragraph story, if I think it's terrifying... I'll ask their permission to build, um, embellish it so that the core of the story is 100% true. But if they've wrote, I went to a cafe with me nan, for example, I'll make up a conversation that took place in the cafe just to try and drag it to 30 minutes, but also keeping it within, um, within that flow of how their original story was. So everything paranormal in the dark paranormal that happens is 100% genuine, genuinely took place. Um, the conversations may not have been because that's just me trying to make what seems like a really good story last the length of an episode, if that makes sense. So it's kind of my serious hat on the one and me being me on the other. Well, it, it's a lot like Hollywood. You know, they'll do their, they're based on a true story and the basis yeah. of the story is true, but, you know, they'll embellish it to make it, you know, a longer and sometimes a little more exciting, you know, movie. But yeah. Exactly. And also, I think, like, I'm sure you, you experience this yourself, and I'm sure the listeners do too, is that, you know, dependent on sometimes when you're reading a ghost story or you hear a ghost story from someone, your brain will conjure up such horrific machinations that you, you'll you'll have to stop reading or you'll have to say, don't tell me anymore, you know, because you, your brain's took you to some really dark and terrifying place. And mine does that all the time. Like, like my partner could just say to me, I'm sure I just heard a knock. And as opposed to me saying, well, it's probably the heating coming on. Again, I'm picturing like the grim reaper creeping up the stairs. <laughs> so when, I, when I'm reading these stories, I think, you know what? I bet you it happened like this. Like, so the, the core spine of it is identical to what they've sent in. Um, but I'll just try and make it more atmospheric. How I'm seeing it in my mind as I'm reading it. So it's kind of, a, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting thing to do as well because I don't know how they're ever going to come out. Um, or end up, should I say? I like I like that aspect of it because that that is a little different. There's a lot of uh, stories out there that are, 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 or I should say, podcasts that are used like Reddit stories that you kind of feel like are 100% bogus. Yeah, uh, and then some of them will use the true stories, but they're just so short, you know, yeah. that it, you'd have to have a bunch of them to make one episode so i like the exactly. fact that you're able to to kind of combine the two yeah and i think also i mean it's me partner will tell you uh, well we'll tell anyone who's willing to listen that i i will embellish the truth um to make what i but not necessarily on purpose or as a form of a lie my brain will exaggerate things to make them sound more interesting even the most basic of stuff and i don't mean to do it do you know what i mean 
Um, like I'll take a supermarket encounter and come home and go, oh, there was murder. This happened. That happened. Then I said this and my partner knows me. So she's like, did you actually say that? And I'll be like, well, no, <laughs> yeah. not, not exactly. I, d- I didn't use those words. I kind of just nodded. No, no. But in yeah, my head, in my memory, yeah, <laughs> in my memory, I've like had this proper big <laughs> argument. But to me, it's real because I was like, yeah, that's what it felt like. So it's, yeah, it kind of comes, it goes in, I read what I'm reading and I think, Wow. And then for me, I'm telling the truth. This is just how my brain's translated it. Now, I see, I kind of do the same thing, but I'm just called a compulsive liar. So completely <laughs> different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, my partner's actually, she's forced it into me now um, that whenever I'm saying and uh, regurgitating an event that's happened, I have to say when it's starting to re- go into what I've made up by saying, in my opinion, at the start, you know, or something like that, or as far as I can remember. And then I can say what I want, as long as I put a caveat in. <laughs> so let's talk about how did we need to talk about ghosts get started? I mean, what was, you know, you had the fascination. Mm-hmm. What made you yeah. say, you know what? I want to start a podcast doing this. What drove you? And let's be honest, you've done that now for what, four years or so. Yeah. And a lot of podcasts stop before they get to the through the through with their first year some of them don't make it 10 episodes because it's a lot harder than it seems it's hard to get an audience it's hard to get your audio down it's hard to learn as you go it's hard to figure out what people want and it can be extremely frustrating especially when you've got other life going on Uh, so tell me about how, how it started and what kept you going um so it started because there was a there's a podcast in the uk uh, called the Parapod, and it's done by two English comedians, uh, Ian Boldsworth and Barry Dodds. And I, I, I fell in love with this podcast. It was done. What basically the the, the gimmick is: one is a hundred percent believer, and he is, and one's a skeptic, and uh, like a diehard skeptic. And they'll bring so Barry, who's the believer, will bring like a really famous case, like the Black Monk Pontefract or something, and will tell it. He tries to convince Ian Bowlesworth what what's going on, um, and he never does, or he's always got an answer for it. But it, they do it in a very humorous way, like where I've literally nearly crashed the car laughing. Um, and you know, the, Ian Bowlesworth is. I, I know Ian now. I've met him quite a few times. But he's quite an inspirational guy because he, he was one of the first people I, I heard using the phrase um, um, self-sufficient income, you know, meaning that you're not reliant on uh, an employer. And I, I really like that. And he does that now. He's like a complete freelance, you know, uh, creator. He's a, just a creator and he manages to make a living from it. So that was a big inspiration. And then they went off. They've actually made a film now. There's a film out called The Parapod, which is the par- their pa- podcast taken to a, a feature film where it's them going on live hunts. Anyway, they stopped doing their podcast. And I was thinking, oh, you know what? I really missed that. And I thought, you know what? I've done stand-up before. I've done, you know, I, I, I can chat. I'm all right talking to people. Maybe I should have a go at doing a podcast. Um, so it did. So it started. We need to talk about ghosts. I reached out to some people, um, such as yourself, with the promo and what I did find is that there are certain people within the the podcasting community, yourself included in this statement that are literally salt of the earth. I mean, I, I'm also um, a very amateur songwriter, singer songwriter. And in those two different creative worlds, it's chalk and cheese in terms of how people are willing to give a boost up to people. 
who are on a rung or, or five below them. Um, it doesn't happen in the music industry. It, it, around here, anyway, it doesn't seem to be. There's a lot of backbiting and keeping people down to keep your head above water. But That's in the same podcasting here. world... Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And podcasting-wise, I've just had loads of people being really friendly, and that, therefore that's made me the same when if speaking to someone who's starting out or whatever. Um, but like you were saying earlier, though, Jerry, you know, things uh, it is difficult to know what you're doing and to be confident in what you're doing. And interestingly enough, if anyone's not listened to the show and they go and check out We Need to Talk About Ghost Now, you'll see it says Season 1, Episode 29 or something similar, when there's actually about 260 episodes there. But last October, I realised that I'd lost control of the format, um, basically, because I do a, I do a lot of rap, as you can tell, I like to talk. So I do a lot of rambles, and I was going on two longer threads of nonsense. Um, and it, I realised the show, at its essence, had gone too far away from what it was. So I stopped for a couple of months, um, got my mate, who's, who's like an artistic guy, to redo the logo. And I structured it so we've got like a, you know, so it's cut up to an, an intro, a review, ghost stories, and a part with my partner at the end. And I don't sway from that now because it would get to the point where I was doing like a 15-minute monologue on like going down the shops and people don't tune into a ghost podcast for that. So we had to have a word with myself. And I think it's still in evolution in all honesty. So it's interesting to see where it'll end up. I still think it's it's part being made. We had to do the exact same thing. We, uh, you know, at one point in time, we had we would go into our uh, iTunes reviews and our Patreon supporters, and and that was at the beginning of the show. So by the time we started the actual episode, I mean we were ten minutes in, and yeah. we we found that some people just don't like that. So now we put it kind of in the middle. So you know we we our structure now is pretty much within five minutes we want to be starting our story. Yeah, and then we'll do our iTunes and stuff, and then uh, and any show notes like live events we got going on, and then at the end we'll have an interview like the the one we're doing now. So people yeah. kind of know what it is. They know where they can fast forward, and they know they can get right into the story. And if they don't like interviews, it's at the end they can just skip it. And it's because yeah. you know through years of experience we realize what people like in the interviews and they don't like us to do regular interviews. They like to hear stories. You know, they want to hear, you know, what were your paranormal experiences and yeah, you can plug whatever you're doing and whoever you are, but we yeah. want to hear your, the stories and then yeah. the small plug instead of, you know, you know, it's just, but you know, I we know had, you it took yeah. years and years to learn that. And now yeah. I think we've got a pretty good format, but it took us six years <laughs> to finally Definitely, get it yeah. where it's going. But you're, I know yeah, what you're I mean, saying. It's easy to lose control. It really is, and it's um, and it was noticeable too. I think I, because I, I realised I, I was losing the grasp of the paranormal aspect of the show. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, because I still there was there was a oh, there's a hardcore fan base of we need to talk about ghosts. It's it's like a, you know a, a few hundred people who who get everything that I say and everything that I do, and they're really lovely people. And for those people, I could just go on a ramble um, for thirty minutes, and they wouldn't be bothered. You know, it, it, they'd be made up with that. But for anybody coming in who's, who's wanting to look at the premise of the show, as, as I advertise it, you know, it's it's true listener ghost stories with me, tongue-in-cheek, commentating on them. Um, it wasn't doing that, and it needed to be... It just needed to be took off air for a bit, for want of a better phrase. I say that awfully lot, for want of a better phrase. Ironically, you need to find a better phrase and um, <laughs> and start it again. So that's what I've done in October. You know, it, it is funny you say that because I think 
I think we are all, and I, I say just entertainers in general, we mm-hmm. all kind of have that, uh, hey, uh, everybody loves us and the focus is on us and we can do no wrong. And you, and sometimes that gets a little out of control. And, yeah. you know, like Tracy and I, we would have, I guess, some people say, hey, we love your banter. And then, mm-hmm. you know, next thing you know, we're bantering too much. And then you got people yes. say, hey, where's the stories? So we tried to, when we do our shorts, which is our uh, Patreon episodes, you know, that's more of a chance for us to kind of be ourselves. So if you're somebody who loves the banter, you know that when you hear the the Patreon episodes, we are a little more loose. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's how we were able to get around it. So we realized that, you know what, it's really not about all of our banter. People really at the end, they want to hear the stories. Exactly. And with a little bit of banter. So, yeah, 100%. That, I mean, to be honest, that's that I've, I've kind of done that model myself, really. So on the on the Patreon um i put out two patreon shows a week one of them is a paranormal one where i try and get my partner on and we again tongue-in-cheek but you know i'll on the paranormal one i'm basically trying to educate her because she's a skeptic in the paranormal and uh, knowledge has gone quite high it's really funny so when um like i'll ask her a question and she tends to just say is the answer enfield because it's always enfield and she shouldn't know about (laughs) enfield at all and um the mid the midweek one i literally just pick up a little handheld recorder uh, press record and I just talk for 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be paranormal, but that is a pure ramble and that allows me to get that out of my system. So yeah, you're quite right in what you're saying about separating. Tell me about any personal paranormal experiences you might've had. I know you've been fascinated with it, but have you had any personal experiences? Yeah, I've had, um, I have actually had, I've had quite a few um, in all honesty. So the one that people who have listened to We Need to Talk About Ghosts for a few years will we'll know the majority, but the main one that I always go back to, which has been the most kind of visceral for me, was um, an out-of-body experience that I had. And uh, basically all my friends know and have known since we went to school together that I'm into the paranormal. And one of them's a tarmacker, and he was doing a driveway in Wales, and in this like stately home. And he found an old book on astral projection in this stately home. And probably wasn't, definitely wasn't his to take, but he <laughs> took it and um, and brought it to me and, and said, yeah, oh, you're into all this. So I went, yeah, I am. So thank you. And at the time I was 16 and, um, and my mother had died that year. And it was like a bit of a weird environment in the house. And me, my brother and sister all still live with my dad. And it was it was a bit of a messy time all round. But anyway, I was sharing a room with my brother and we had bunk beds. And I was on the I slept on the top bunk and it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, and as is like uh the norm for a, a Liverpoolian teenager, I went through my Beatles phase around that age. So I had uh, Sergeant Pepper on repeat on a CD player, the album. Nice. Yeah. Um and I, I read this book anyway. I skipped, I just read on the index where there was a chapter that said how to do it. And I thought I'm gonna not read anything else about the warnings or anything else. Don't need that. I'll just go right to how to do it and I'll I'll crack on. So um I read this thing, how to do it, and it said basically what it said in the book was stare at a clock, uh, a ticking clock, close your eyes, visualize the clock moving, open your eyes, see if it's there where you thought it would be, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't have none of this. So he improvised and lay on me back and stared at a spot on the Artex ceiling and closed my eyes and tried to visualize it, opened it, da, da, da. Anyway, long story short, I fell asleep. And um, the next thing I remember, my dad came into the room. It was about half four in the afternoon. 
And he basically read me the riot act of like, you know, half four in the afternoon, why are you just sleep? Go and get a job and sorts of stuff. Um, and I just remember looking at him and saying, all right, I'll get up now, get out. Um, and then I shook my head as like in disgust that he'd woke me up and put my head back on the pillow. And the second, the second that I put my head back on the pillow, I was sat up in bed and I literally had the time to think, hold on, I'm sure. And I could fe still feel my spine on the mattress. That was the, the additional weird thing. And I was like, I'm sure I'm laying down. I should be laying down. And as soon as I thought that, like that, I was laying back down and I was, I couldn't move. I was completely paralyzed. And slowly I got pins and needles all over my body. The weirdest experience that I've ever had. Like when you've got a dead arm, obviously, and you get pins and needles in it. I got that all over my body, every single part of my skin. And I could slowly move and kind of crawled down this bunk bed and ran downstairs, my heart pounded and was like realizing what I'm about to tell me dad who believes in nothing. Um, but yeah, it was the the weirdest thing. And you know, people have said, well, what was it like? What would, how would you describe it? And I can't describe it. It's undescribable. But the closest I'd get to saying what it was like was the color green, for one, it felt like the color green. Or more specifically, you know when you press down the screen on an old Casio calculator mm -hmm. and it goes that like oil, like oil in the sun on the mm -hmm. road, that sort of rain, black rainbow effect. That's how it felt. And I know that's a ridiculous thing to say. You felt like a color, but that's how it felt. But that's that's the, the, the one that I could hand on heart say, no one can convince me otherwise. That happened. Um, yeah, I didn't sleep because it happened when I didn't expect it as well. I didn't then sleep right, right for about four weeks because every time I was about to drop off, I jumped up in fear because I thought, uh-oh. Freaked yourself out, yeah. Really did. Freaked myself right out. So, yeah. That was a good one. And I've seen like the odd ghost as well. Um, when I say I've seen the odd ghost, not physically, but we've had like in our old apartment, we've had things move. Um, me and my partner have both seen a tap in the kitchen turn on by itself. Um, as we were stood there, not talking about ghosts or anything, just having a chat in the kitchen. And we just seen the, the lever of the tap going up and the tap came on. Um, and in that we've just literally moved house. I'm talking to you from a, the back bedroom of a, of a new house that we moved into. It's not a new house. It's new to us. We've, we've been here about four weeks. And the other day, or the other night even, my partner was in the shower upstairs and I was downstairs in the living room. Um, and next thing, a little a toy ball of the kittens that we've got bounced down the stairs and the kitten come chasing after it. So I shout up, have you just threw a ball downstairs? And she went, what? I went, have you just threw a ball downstairs? And she went, no. I went, well, maybe the cat's knocked it down herself. Anyway. Two days later, we're doing a podcast and I and my partner is a complete skeptic. And I said, have you got anything? I always start by saying, have you got anything spooky that you want to tell us? And she never does. That's kind of the joke. Um, and she goes, actually, yeah, but I don't know whether I want to tell you because you'll freak out uh, and I know what you like, et cetera. And she went, you know, that night when the ball bounced down the stairs? And I said, yeah. She said, well, um, did you not hear me just after that fling the bathroom door open? And I said, no, and I didn't because she didn't shout me or anything. She went, yeah. She went, well, I thought you were outside because someone was knocking on the bathroom door. Um, and she she doesn't believe in it. You know, even I said, I said to her, well, how do you explain that then? She was like, well, maybe it was the wood settling. Maybe it was this. I said, but you're a clever person. You'd know what the wood settling would be. You wouldn't open the door to wood settling. Do you know what I mean? But so we'll have to keep an eye on this uh, in this house. But, um, but yeah. 
So there's there's loads. Jerry, honestly, uh, you know, without I could crack on about stuff all family members members have seen, but but yes, in a nutshell, um, I've had a few spooky encounters. You mentioned that um, you went through a Beatles phase back then. I've been going through a Beatles phase for basically 45 years. So we, uh, <laughs> my intention is next year to come over during the uh, the big week-long Beatles festival that they have at Amazing. Liverpool. So, yeah, you should we, I've get got, over. I'll take you for a pint. I've got a buddy who uh, actually sets those tours up, Charles Rosenay, and he's okay. been on our show. He's got He's got a book out that's where he's got top 10 horror lists from celebrities from all over the world. Amazing. And, but yeah, he sets up those tours and tours to over to Dracula's castle in Romania. Wow. So it's like, so yeah, it's the, I've, I've been talking to him about it, about coming over there because like I said, I'm, I'm a diehard. You can see behind me, there's nothing but horror stuff behind us, except for <laughs> Beatles stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, I was uh, just thinking that. Yeah. It's funny. Cause um, it's like uh, people always say, you know, you're from Liverpool, do you have a Beatles story? And and, you know, you go, well, we're actually a really small place, Liverpool. You know, we probably fit like 50 Liverpools in a, in the smallest US state, I think. Um, but, yeah, so you don't realise just that, you know, seven degrees of separation, um, how close you are knitted in together. It's like, so my best mate's mother is Ringo Starr's cousin. So there is, there's always a link, you know, in terms of this That makes thing. sense. Yeah, oh, it's such a small, it's such a small place. I mean, my direct story for the Beatles, very quickly. I once auditioned for the Pete Best Band as um, as a nice. lead singer. Yeah, and that was when I was seventeen. So Christ, what was it? It was ninety seven, uh, no ninety six. And um, I went to this really big house, a really big dilapidated house in West Derby, which is a, a borough in Liverpool. And he was down in the basement playing chess with some other guy. Um, and there was, let's just say they were smoking a cigarette and, sure. um, yeah, a fragrant <laughs> cigarette. And, uh, and I came in and, and when I went in, this guy went to me, he's already given it to someone. Don't bother. And I thought, no, you've just done a bad audition. And I went down, um, and they were playing chess and I went, where, where should I st- sing? And they ignored me and carried on playing. And then his mate like nudged him and went, one of these lads is here, you know? And he went, oh, just go up there. Yeah. Yeah. Pick a song and sing it. I was like, uh-oh, and then they carried on playing chess. And when I finished, they didn't turn around or do anything. And I was just like, should I just go? And they were like, yes, please. I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was still that cool to do. It was in the Casbah Club or what was the Casbah Club. Oh, that's really cool. So, yeah, that's that's awesome, man. That's uh, Like you said, when you live in a small place, you're going to have those little yeah. connections, you know. Um. I've got a lot of British friends. Uh, mm. A lot of a lot of them are podcasters uh, the, on the paranormal side, and they tell me that the paranormal is just not near as big in Great Britain as mm. what it is like in the United States, which is why the U.S. is where most of the listeners come from to all of their yeah. shows. What are your experiences with just everyday people that you run into and their interest in the paranormal where you live? Um, I think we might be the wrong sample size in Liverpool, if I'm being perfectly honest, uh, um, because the, there is the, the myself and majority of, not the majority, but the vast DNA to Liverpool, uh, normally generation and 
city thing for me. My grandparents are all from Ireland, and there's we're all, and there's a, there's kind of unlike most other places, definitely in England, um, there's that or there was that Catholic Protestant divide. It's quite a it's quite a religious place. We literally have two cathedrals um, in Liverpool for such a tiny place to have two cathedrals is ridiculous. But we have a a Church of England cathedral and a Catholic cathedral. Um, literally at the end of a street, which is called Hope Street, which is quite nice. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that um, because of that, like, oh, I, I was saying to my partner about this. It's a strange little thing because I'm Roman Catholic and Irish Roman Catholic, like from an Irish Roman Catholic family. And we've all, we, we your life's kind of a superstition. Your life's one big superstition. That's, um, you know, you're forever crossing yourself if you see something or there's always oh don't do that because of x and it's always logically stuff that is nonsense and doesn't make any sense but like for example i went to a roman catholic school and you don't realize when you're in that sort of bubble this is what i was saying to me partner is that i look at like you know i don't have any jewish friends because judaism isn't huge here in liverpool i'm sure we do have jewish people obviously but i don't personally know any um because we were and this is the strange thing we were in a, a catholic area if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it's it's weird. And I, because of that, and I'm in it, uh, I never seen myself as being a Catholic or as being part of a society as the way I view Judaism, for example. I, I see that as like, you know, oh, that's got lots of like pomp and circumstance and, um, you know, events and all this carry on. And because I'm within the Catholic sphere, I don't realize just how to a non-Catholic or to a non-religious person, I'm in one of those groups where we have events and you know like people having the first holy communion looks a bit weird to people because the girls are in wedding dresses and the boys are you know it's there's all weird things where when you take a step back you go oh shit yeah i'm a bit of a weirdo um <laughs> so within but within that yeah i think liverpool's the uh, the wrong test pool i think within the, the rest of the uk it's, it's quite an accurate thing like my partner went to university in greenwich um which is within london and and she's just an atheist. She's an atheist. She's a non-believer in anything paranormal. And that's quite a, I won't say it's spread across the country because there's loads of paranormal believers. But yeah, to the extent of in America, not so much. But Liverpool's quite a superstitious place. It's, you know, it's right on the docks. Um, as I say, we're, we're all mainly Irish or Welsh. So it's a, it's a strange mix in Liverpool. So I think the, the, the percentage of people who believe in the strange and the supernatural in Liverpool will be much higher than the rest of the UK. Well, definitely the rest of England. And what's what's even more funny about that is like for the amount of listeners to these shows that come from the U.S., even the U.S., the, the latest polls that I've seen said only 40 percent of people in the U.S. believe in ghosts. So really? it's like it's like to be such a small percentage, they really are a loud percentage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, yeah. Because somebody's keeping all these TV shows on the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. And you're quite right, though. I think. The danger in the UK, I'm sure it's everywhere actually, and the internet's made it so, is that when you, there are a lot of people who then try to go the other end of the belief scale and they ruin it for people, you know, they jump onto forums and start shouting the odds or they start making out, well, you can't say that because that goes against the, the second sphere of Satan or something. Like, what are you on about? Just read a good ghost story, get terrified and go to bed. That's all you want to do. Right. Um, so, yeah, I tend to not try. If I see something where I think mm, that's a little bit arsy online, I tend to just leave it. I'm not one for getting into online interactions with the the, the proper stronghold of 
paranormal believers where like I've done a few podcasts where I've tried to do um, with the dark paranormal, for example, what I've been doing is uh, a famous cases season where we look at maybe Black Monk or Pontefract, um, Berkeley Square, whatever. And then a season of listener stories and alternate not like that. And I found doing the the famous cases one, that's the the season where I end up with emails from people saying, you said it was a Tuesday when the ghost first appeared. It was a Monday night, you know, or stuff like that. You said he had red shoes on, he didn't, he wore trainees. You're like, oh my God. But um, yeah, so I avoid those type of people. Yeah, I completely get it. There's and and you know, and a lot of times the listeners will be right, but it's just like, okay, oh, yeah. I get it, you know, I get it, you know, especially if you start talking about historical things, you know. Well, you know, th- this war uh was, you know, in eight and then you find out, well, what it actually in that war, these people, and it's like I, I get it. That really wasn't the major part of the story. That was a 10-second exactly. blurb in the story, but I get it. People want to be historically accurate, and we try to be, and we make corrections. If it's pointed yeah. out, we find out that we're, you know, but sometimes the listeners are wrong too well, about yeah, what yeah. they're saying. So it's what I it think, is. Yeah. Like you're saying, if the, if it's something pointless, I'm, you're, or let's, it's like kind of say, like if I turned around and said, oh my God, your nan's just been stabbed dead by a guy in a red balaclava. If It's like someone stopping you and going, well, no, it was a blue balaclava. Go, That's not the point of what I've just said. The point is, your nan's been stabbed dead. Do you know what I mean? It's like, the trivial matters don't matter to me. And that's why I probably have to start things with, in my yeah. opinion. Regardless of the color, you're going to a funeral in a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Is that really what you're taking from this, the color of the bandana? Fair enough. And that's, that's why Tracy sometimes drives me crazy. I'll sit and go into this 10-minute, uh, interlude to the story and then she'll bring up something from 15 minutes ago that i said well, wait a minute let's go back so that guy that guy was really eating a chicken bone well really after i just told yeah. you about a giant disaster you're gonna go back to this kid eating a chicken bone you know? <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah so yeah i tend to avoid those people if i can kevin it's been a blast having you on it's been a long time coming tell everybody how they can keep up with your two podcasts of course. Thank you, mate. Yeah, it's um, so just search. We need to talk about ghosts wherever you get. It's a long title, I agree, uh, wherever you get your podcast from. And that's if if you're willing to take a little bit of a risk and listen to something which you might, might not be your cup of tea. If you're a paranormal enthusiast, as you are, you're listening to Jerry's show. It might be and you just want a ghost story, then go and search out the dark paranormal and that's what you'll get. Yeah, either way, I, th- I think you guys, most of you guys will like both shows. They're, they're both fun. And if you listen and want to leave a, a, a nice review, make sure that you point out that you heard Kevin here on Hibbley Horror Story so he at least knows that he's getting a few listeners that he may not have had before. Oh, yeah. No, that, thank you very much, Jerry. You know, it's, um, again, harken back to what I said earlier about um, about the podcasting community and how the it, it's kind of it's unsettling at first when people are so polite and so willing to go out their way to help someone else get ahead and uh, and uh, you're top of that list so thank you mate i really appreciate it i appreciate it once again my apologies i should have had you on here a long time ago and we might have been able to help in your progress and you might have been able to quit your job six months earlier who knows <laughs> <laughs> i made some good mates over that six months so that's fine no thank you mate i genuinely genuinely appreciate it all right brother i'll talk to you soon cheers jerry all right, guys, that wraps it up for this week. We hope you enjoyed uh, the interview with Kevin and uh, hope you liked the story and all British mm-hmm. hillbilly horror stories. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you guys, and we hope you all have a blessed week. <laughs>